What's up? It's your boy, Ruby Rube, coming at you from the Gathering Strength Podcast. Vietis, equidit, iundo, we gather strength as we go. Over here at the Gathering Strength Podcast, your boy, Ruby Rube, I want to see you with that buff body, that buff mind, that buff spirit, and that buff bank. And one of the ways that we accumulate and gather this strength is by having a healthy relationship. Now, within my social media, I've already explained how I cut and cold and got rid of all of the people posting malarkey and nonsense. And essentially, the people who are eating Tide Pods and sharing dick pics on their, on their social media feeds, yep, I got rid of all of them. And I'm able to add a bunch of other people who are doing cool things. And now I'm able to use my social media feed as an asset, as leverage, as a place to promote positivity. And that is precisely what I intend on doing, particularly with this podcast, because with the calling of all of the people who are doing malarkey in my social media feed and with the addition of people doing positive things... That puts me in a brighter perspective with a brighter mindset. And I can see people who are doing things that are are wonderful. For example, I reviewed the book written by Aaron Hill. Getting Cozy in Public and Nine Other Ways to Keep Your Relationship Hot. Now, after I read that book, the positive cycle that I've created for myself is one, I read the book, so I gain some knowledge. Two, I speak about the book, so the information that I just learned or reaffirmed that is once again looped within my mind. Three, I get to speak about it. Four, I get to talk to the author. Once again, if you use your social media as an asset and leverage to amplify your intelligence, to boost your inspirational aspects of life, you can have these conversations or do these types of things as well. Now, I reached out to the author, Aaron Hill, and I was able to have a conversation and gain some perspective on how the book came to be and what a great opportunity that is for me because I'm in the process of writing my own book as well. I just got my notes back from my editor and ooh, let me tell you, that was a gut punch. Definitely um, a place and a feeling that I don't want to say I've never felt this way before, but man, it's a feeling of being judged, being criticized, and be having a feeling of rejection. Ultimately, my journey is going to be different from others, but the sentiment that I've learned when it comes to writing, creating, and publishing a book, or any piece of art for that matter, when you do that, you open yourself up to be vulnerable. You are going to be criticized. You are going to be judged. You are going to be compared to, hell, you know what? You might even annoy some people. You might even get them mad, but you know what? That's all That all comes with part of the territory. You're not going to create a 
masterpiece that pleases everybody. You're not going to appeal to everyone, and that's all right. And this is one of the reasons why I admire Erin Hill for, one, organizing her thoughts, two, identifying a place where she could add value, and three, potentially helping some other people. Now, I am going to reveal the interview that I had with Aaron Hill, but I just want to reiterate the fact that when you look for opportunities, when you step out in faith, when you set yourselves in a direction that is going to be unknown, but ultimately you end up in a better place than where you're currently at, Man, you know, that's, that's the whole part of, of living is adventure, is putting order into chaos and figuring some things out. And you'll never figure out anything new if you don't try to take on new skills. Now, within the interview that I had with Erin, she identifies or talks about how the book came to be. And during that time, she was having conversations with some of her friends, and she gained some knowledge that the problems that were persisting in her friends' relationships and her friends' marriages, it was a similar reoccurring theme to where she wasn't experiencing that in her marriage, so she was a little bit confused, and as time went on, she was like, you know what? My marriage is exceptional. She wasn't having the same problems that was expressed by some of her peers. And as time went on, she just began to solidify that thought and that sentiment that the relationship that she constructed with her husband was extraordinary because they didn't have those problems. So she was able to identify some problems and then she identified some of the remedies that prevented her from going down the same path with, within her relationship. So what'd she do? Rather than just holding on and hoarding that knowledge of what was working for her, she decided to write a book. Now, I have a podcast episode talking about how God, the universe, they bless the storyteller. Because if the storyteller has a valuable story, then it prevents other people from going down the same dead-end paths. It prevents needless suffering. And it prevents the perpetual cycle of watching your friends and your peers from banging their heads up against the wall. Now, in order for someone to tell a poignant story, they need to gain some clarity on first, identifying a problem, and then second, identifying a solution. Now that takes time. That takes some introspective looking at yourself and seeing what works, what doesn't work, and then not only embodying that feeling of, hey, I, I know what works on a intuitive level, but for the storyteller to be able to clearly and articulately describe and convey a story 
a relatable story that other people can understand and then apply the wisdom into their own life? Man, that is... That is not only beneficial for the person telling the story, because one, the teacher learns when they teach, but two, that helps other people. Now, one of the things that I'm going to encourage you to do is look at your life and see what problems you have been able to solve, and then just don't think about it in your mind. If you can write it down, and clearly articulate and form a coherent sentence and structure it to where it is containing a problem, but then ultimately a resolution, then that's growth right there. A lot of people, they will never ever do that because it takes time. And you know what? There's so many little distractions out there that will prevent you from growing like that on an intellectual level. Because after all, hey, you know what? We need to get to the next level of this Angry Birds level. We have another Netflix series to go binge watch. Name whatever distraction is out there. All of those little things rob us from obtaining a higher value reward. Now, one of the cool aspects about Erin and her process to writing this book is that it didn't take her long. She took advantage of her advantages that was given to her. She wrote it in one weekend, and then within two weeks, it was published. Now, kudos to that because, one, I think, like, not even a full percent of people will ever write a book. Two, rather than her just Netflixing and just chilling or doing something else that didn't uh, produce a a sweet fruit such as a book, she sacrificed her weekend. And because of that, she was able to give to herself something of a higher value. Essentially, what she did was she delayed her gratification. She plucked away at these words and she put clarity to these problems and she went through that process and because she did that we have a book now and not only do we have a book but she has a book within her family tree she's going to be able to point out and reference that and show that example of her sitting and doing something positive to her children to her she's going to be able to use that act of service as a language of love because yeah man that is a an act of love to be able to write a book about something inspiring that your husband was partly responsible responsible for that's awesome she also goes on to talk about how doing that gave her confidence and Confidence is something that you can't be purchased at a store. I was talking to my 10-year-old son the other day. He asked me, hey, Dad, what does it feel like to be high? And where we live at, there are some walking zombie-type people who are obviously out of their minds, whether it's a mental disorder, a drug addiction, or just maybe a, a malady of the both of them. 
But he asked me, what does it feel like to be high? And I explained to him that on his level, and I'll explain to you what confidence is, is essentially that high feeling. Except for rather than going out and buying a a $20 bag worth of cocaine and then snorting it and getting high and feeling powerful and confident, the, the real confidence that allows you to grow after obtaining it can only be acquired by competency over a new skill such as writing a book. My son plays basketball and in order for him to gain that natural high which confidence gives you, he's going to have to learn some ball handling skills. He's going to have to learn how to do a proper layup. He's going to have to learn how to rebound, how to do a bounce pass, how to do a chest pass. All of those skills that are going to be acquired by him on a personal level and then delivered in a high value setting such as a basketball game when those skills that he acquired are now utilized to win a game to score a basket that's where the reward comes because man doing those drills putting in your reps the repetition that is arduous that is toil but the value comes later on when you're holding on to your physical book, when you're getting the high fives and the adulation from your peers because you just hit a three-point shot. All that is at the end of you gaining the competency over your skill. But the only way to do that is to show up, do the work. And then in the end, that is when the universe gives you that confidence. And that is what makes you feel good. And that is what makes you look in the mirror and say to yourself, man, what else can I do? I've been able to bring order to this chaotic process of writing a book or obtaining those basketball skills. And now I have a skill. What else can I do? Hmm, Let me look at my life and see... What else can I do? Now, that is something that Erin Hill is experiencing right now. She's looking at herself. She has this book that she, that she created and put out into the universe. And she's asking herself right now, what else can I do? So right now, her iron is on fire. And she's going to be taking advantage of that naturally acquired confidence and she's going to be deploying that into something else because that is just the type of person that she is and I'm excited as one of her friends to see what else she's able to do for herself. Now as a functioning social media relationship goes it should be reciprocal because I'm gonna see her making moves and doing big things and then I'm gonna say to myself hey if Aaron can do something cool and extraordinary like that what can what can I do what else can I do what's stopping me and then I'm gonna do something extraordinary cool or whatever and I'm gonna share it and then it's just gonna keep going back and forth so that is why I've 
told you guys before is to cut and call and get rid of all of the idiots who are posting malarkey and nonsense on your social media and start adding people who you want to see grow, who, you, who you're rooting for, because when they're winning, inspiration is the breath of life and perhaps seeing what fruit someone else is harvesting, that might be a breath of life into a realm in your world which otherwise would have remained dormant. So without further ado, I'm going to unleash you guys onto this conversation that I had with this entrepreneur mother, this author. She's an awesome podcaster. And man, she has a lot of things going on. So I'm excited for her. I'm going to be rooting for her and her and her family and whatever she does. And it is a blessing for me to be able to highlight someone such as Aaron Hill and her family because I think that they're doing great. So here is the conversation with Aaron Hill. And you know, hey, first of all, thanks for... Uh, taking a moment out of your day to bless my podcast and myself and the potential listeners out there. We hope that these words that are spoken over this next uh, few minutes can sow some seeds into people's lives and enhance their relationship, maybe get them to discover something that they didn't know, in which case can set them on a better trajectory for their lives. Oh, well, thank you. I am so incredibly honored to be here. And it is my absolute pleasure to speak with you. We've been friends a long time. And I am I'm excited this has come kind of full circle. So let's get into it. All righty. So I am on the line with Aaron Hill, author, entrepreneur, podcaster, mother, sleep specialist and a trophy wife to her lucky husband, Aaron Hill. Uh, you and your husband share the same names. Uh, I'm sure that that has caused some confusion at one point or another, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> most people call us A&E, so really not too bad. Uh, we call each other baby, um, and we pretty much have from day one, I feel like. Uh, at least it feels that way. So, yeah, not really too bad, but it's kind of fun. I mean, honestly, can get away with murder when people call because, yes, I am Aaron Hill, <laughs> and so is he. So that's uh, that's been kind of fun to kind of, uh, you know, trick people sometimes, but we only do that when we feel like it. I'm going to have to make a note to uh, create a, a unified nickname for me and my <laughs> wife because as of this time, we don't have it. And I just realized that all of the power couples – they have a combination of their names, right? Uh, before it was, uh, it was, uh, what is J-Lo's? She, she has one. Yep. Uh, J-Lo and Ben, what is it? Benefer or something like that? Yeah, Benefer. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ruben and Holly. Beyonce. What about Raleigh? Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Raleigh. And then Beyonce and Jay-Z have one. I, I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but you and your husband have one. A&E. So that's three, yeah. three power couples. I don't need to look any further to know that I need to, I need to get on top of that. I love it. Now your book, 
the reason why, uh, well, primarily, we're going to be conversating about your book, Getting Cozy in Public and Nine Other Ways to Keep Your Relationship Hot. And ladies and gentlemen, hot is capitalized in the title <laughs> of that book. So, yeah, we're going to get things uh, a little bit steamy in that book. We will leave some cliffhangers for the people to, you know, leave them wanting more. Okay. But what was your... Um, of all the things to write a book about, why did you choose or why did you think that this was important to you to to write about? Yeah, it's such a good question. So um, it's pretty much the biggest question I've been asked since I've written a book because I've never written a book before. I'm a first time published author. Um, very happy that I could do this and kind of put it out there because my marriage has been rock solid really from day one. And when I talk to my other friends who are married, or in relationships, oftentimes they tell me that the spark really kind of leaves after a year or so. And I've never experienced that in my marriage. And I was wondering what sets my marriage apart? Why, why is our marriage different? So I started kind of looking into that and like, you know, jotting down notes and one morning or one night, sorry, I was uh, up at about two, 3 a.m. I couldn't sleep. And I'm a sleep coach. I sleep very well, Ruben. <laughs> no issues <laughs> sleeping, okay? I know all the tricks in the, in the, in the trays. Right. But I could not sleep. And I got on my notes app and just literally it poured out of me. The first two chapters of this book poured out of me. And it was almost like I was drawn to write it. And funny enough, about a week later, I found a, I would say like a, um, an opportunity on Instagram with someone kind of guiding you into writing your first book. And I thought, okay, this could not just be coincidental. I'm going to take this opportunity. And you know me, I take every opportunity that comes my way. And I thought, you know what, this is an investment. I'm going to see where this goes. And boom, about two weeks later, I had a book on Amazon ready to roll. So um, pretty, pretty crazy roller coaster. Uh, I remember Aaron took the kids to the Tahoe for a weekend and I just, literally hunkered down, didn't leave the house and wrote for two straight days. Uh, yeah, yeah. these the thoughts just came out of you and you took advantage of your advantages and you leveraged your assets and you manifested some in a way that can bring value to other people's lives. So that is a, a tip of the cap right there. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty awesome moment and experience. Um, and it's one of those things where once you do it, you almost feel like, wow, I can literally do anything. You, you feel that you are capable of so much more once you do something like that, once you do something that you just never thought you could do or never thought of doing, right? So it's, uh, it's been kind of like a catalyst to a lot of different things that I've been doing since I wrote the book, which is really exciting too. Yeah, you you build confidence and then you also take inventory of your life of like, hey, you know what? Um, I spent that one weekend. I, you know, quote unquote, sacrificed on some things that were of lower value. And you put all of your intention and energy and focus on creating something that is of a higher value to you. And like I said, uh, bringing value into other people's lives and that is, man, that's one of the ways to live a, a happy life and to have a yeah. life filled with purpose and meaning. 
And, you know, um, in one of my definitions of having a healthy relationship is to work on yourself, is to create things, because when you are setting goals for yourself, it brings purpose and direction into your life. And when you can do that together as a couple, now it's just, hey, double bang for your buck. Yeah, I think that, you know, being able to show Aaron that I wrote this book and have him read it and just be so excited about it and loved it, you know, just, just really kind of understood exactly my love for him, you know, in a book written, like that's such a special thing, right? It's such a special gift to yeah. give someone that you've loved for so long and, and who is my best friend and all those things. We've gone through so much together. Um, that was just such a special moment for me and for him. Uh, I remember I went to a movie one night and he said, I'm going to read your book while you're gone. And I'm like, sure. You know, <laughs> he's, I left him like playing a video game or something. And I'm like, yeah, sure. You will came back. I mean, literally seemed like he had been in tears, like just so touched. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful moment between the two of us. Very cool. And you know what? That's something that, that you can't buy. It's something that, you know, no one else can do that for you. Um, you can pay someone to wash his car. You can pay someone to <laughs> mow the lawn. You can buy, you know, this and that. Yeah. But man, that's a gift from the heart. Yeah, exactly. And you saw, you know, the dedication was to him, obviously. Who else would it be to? Um, and that's just something, you know, we'll have forever. But uh, I do feel like that has made our bond even stronger, um, which I didn't even, you know, think was possible. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty magical. You know, you had also mentioned that um, since you have written this book, you have been inspired uh, into believing that, hey, what else can I do? Yeah, very true. Now, uh, the first uh, chapter of your book, you started with a, a tip, uh, emotional connection. And what resonated with me in that in your writing was to stick with your word and or one way to build trust is to stick with your word. Can, can you talk a little bit more about how trust begins with putting action and backing up your words? Yeah, I think the best way to explain that or where I was coming from is, you know, when Aaron and I first met, um, I was a flight attendant. I was flying all over the world. I was meeting people every single day. There had to be that element of trust there, right? And we were pretty much together mm -hmm. from our first date. Um, I was, <laughs> as a dating coach, I always tell people, have a roster, you know, don't, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Now, he was not dating that way, but I was. So I basically just kind of cut my roster the next day after I met him because he was the real deal. I knew he was. We spent almost the entire night together, um, you know, talking, getting to know each other. And even though that was fast, I just had this feeling he was different, you know. So I wanted to try. I wanted to try to just put everything aside and focus only on him. But there was that element of trust that was missing because we had known each other so long. And I was always gone. So he didn't know what was going on. And he had had some broken relationships in the past and definitely had trust issues. So I, and he both, you know, we, we needed to do what we say and say what we do. And that's what we tried to do while we were apart. Um, you know, made sure we FaceTime all the time, you know, just really cut, kept in touch and just had that, those lines of communication always open. Um, but for him, it was very important or for me, I would say it was very important for him to say, 
to do what he said he was going to do. Because a lot of the guys that I dated in the past definitely was about lip service, right? Just lip service, never, the actions never matched. He, his actions always matched from day one and moving forward. If he said he was going to do something, my God, he did it, you know? (laughs) So I remember one time he was late for a date. I don't know, maybe five, 15 minutes. I don't know, maybe, maybe 15. And, you know, he got there and he's like, I am so sorry I'm late. And I'm like, I'm like, honey, I've waited 30 years to meet you. Like I can wait another 15 minutes. You know what I mean? It's like not a big deal, but he knew that was important to me, you know, and that was, that was established so early on. And it was something that uh, has always been there in our relationship. And I think that's so important. Yeah, that's very big, especially as being uh, a family man and a father, because, yeah. you know, one of the, the turn ons or potential turn offs is seeing your significant other meeting their words, even to their own children. Like, hey, I- I'm going to take you to the park or I'm going to take right. you here and there. And then frequently hey, letting them down. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's not a good look either. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, as women, we do look at that and say, gosh, I mean, if he's going to let me down, who else is he going to let down? You know, so yeah, that's a really good point. Yep. And then so you also talk about in the emotional connection part of your book, the five love languages. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is important um, and a, a revelation for me, because prior to that, I was moving in the dark. I didn't know there was such thing <laughs> as, as a love language. And when you when you obtain new information, you are enlightened. Your consciousness, consciousness expands a little mm-hmm. bit more. You understand how the world works. Yeah. And when you identify your love language and therefore you can identify not only your significant other's love language, but your children's love language. And now you're moving with intention and purpose and you know, hey, this is going to be impactful because you don't want to shower someone with gifts. And, you know, meanwhile, their love language was quality time. They're going to be like, yeah, you bought me the Gucci belts, the uh, Gucci socks, the watches, this and that. But I just want you to spend time with me. Exactly. Yep. And that's exactly how our relationship began. You know, he, he's a gift giver. He loved giving me gifts. It was constant. And I just am not, that just is not my love language. So, you know, once he realized like physical touch is my love language and words of affirmation, once he realized that's what it was for me, our relationship blossomed after that. And that can help any relationship. If you're kind of in a rut wondering, how do I make my partner happy and vice versa? look at their love language, you know, just because that's your love language doesn't mean that the other person is going to respond in the same way. So talk to your partner, ask them, you know, and that book is so incredible. The five love languages, if you haven't read it, and you're in a relationship, you really are doing yourself and your partner a disservice, I would 100% recommend reading that. Yeah, you had mentioned that you have to talk that is the the emphasis (laughs) on talk. Okay, it needs to be communication. It needs to be reciprocal. First, you need to identify and unlock a internal feeling because if you don't have the the correct descriptive words to speak and convey what is going on inside of you, your partner is not a mind reader. You're not married to Sylvia Brown or Nostradamus. (laughs) They're not a tarot card reader. So you have to tell them, hey, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. Otherwise, you're setting up them to fail. You're setting yeah. up them. You're, you're setting up a, a bunch of booby traps and uh, that are around you. And if you don't even know how you how, what makes you feel good, how do you expect someone else to uh, to figure that out? 
Yeah, it's important for you to know yourself. That's right. Yep. And, um, you know, there's so many different things out there that can help you connect with your spouse or your partner on a, on a deeper level. Um, so I tried to include as many of those as I could, you know, think of. Yeah, very, very nice. Uh, number two, you put your relationship first. Mm -hmm. uh, and then this is something that uh, that resonated with me because I feel that there is a lot of needless frustration and friction that can be easily removed if you nip things in the bud when they start to rear their ugly head. For example, like like ugly criticism, people um you had mentioned your in-laws yeah. uh the the relationship your, your best friend can even be potentially trying to put their nose in a place where it doesn't belong mm -hmm. so and, and then also hey the are uh, the the children can can create a gap in in between the relationship and connecting with that as well yeah absolutely and i know this is controversial but i do have to reiterate how important it is to put your spouse before your kids and, you know, come at me if you want, but I'm telling you, when you put your spouse before your kids, it actually helps your kids in the long run because they see what a healthy relationship looks like. And if I'm taking care of my husband, then the kids will see me doing that, right? Or and vice versa, right? He's taking care of me. They see that loving relationship that they then want later in life. They're not going to feel, you know, second best. But again, he was there before they were, right? I was there before they were. It's important to nurture that and make sure that that is healthy and strong. Yes, agreed. Now, when it comes to the vicissitudes of a marriage, the highs, the lows, the rocky roads, the pits, the valleys, <laughs> the good times, the bad times, you know, there are there is going to be bickering. There's going to be fighting because essentially it is two imperfect people mm -hmm. <laughs> becoming together and trying to move forward in this in this crazy world with all of the different variables and, and the stresses. So when it comes to exposing our children um, to a healthy relationship because fighting and, you know, bickering are, is going to be part of that. At the end of the fight, we need to show them how to, that us parents can re can get over the hump and r reconcile our differences and work together and move forward. Yeah, absolutely. We rarely fight. Um, funny enough, if we're arguing, it's usually about the kids. Uh, so we make sure, right. We make sure that there is repair that is happening every single time. When I was raised, um, there was no repair and that's why I'm now in therapy and, you know, trying to overcome my childhood traumas and, and things like that. Right. But when you repair after getting upset, losing your temper, everyone does, you know, like you said, we're imperfect. That's okay. Just make sure you're going back and saying, Hey, look, I am sorry for this. This is why I did this. I will try my best not to do this again, but no promises. You know, I'm not perfect, um, but that's kind of where I'm coming from. And it does, it repairs the heart that is going to feel broken on either side. You know, um, it breaks my heart too when I get upset with my kids or my husband, right? It, it breaks your own heart. You break your own heart. Um, doing that repair is just so incredibly important to move past it and, and just move on, right? Um, but showing them that that is the healthy way to do that is it's so vital for their um, their future relationships. 
Yes, definitely. Um, how many uh, how many years have you and Aaron been married for? We just celebrated our twelfth anniversary on April thirtieth. Congratulations! Very nice. Thank you. Now, twelve years. What advice would you give someone or your younger self? <laughs> uh, back in the day when you two were uh, fiance, oh. um, you're, you're not even married yet. What have you learned? What are some nuggets, some gravitas that you would impart on that young couple? What What is something that you have learned that took you, hey, some some frustration, some banging your head up against the wall? Is there any nuggets? I, I know that your relationship has been superb, but what's something that you would give as a nugget of wisdom to your younger self? Ruben, I think you're in my head, you know, right now, because I was literally saying this to Aaron last night. I said, is there any chance we would have a time machine made in our, before we die, right? Like in, in our, <laughs> while we're alive, because there's so many things. Okay. So no regrets. I'm not saying regrets, but if I were to be able to travel back in time, things that I would change, honestly, we, the way that we met, we met a little bit later in life that I would like, but I don't think that you should get married before 30. I'm going to put that out there. I think your twenties are for exploration, making sure you know who you are, who this person is. You don't want to marry anybody you haven't been with for at least a year. I want you to spend every single season with this person. I want you to see them sick. I want you to see them angry. I want you to see all the sides, right? Before even saying I do to a proposal, please. That is so important. Um, no secrets, you know, open all the, all the doors, right? Just find out all the things. Um, I would tell my younger self to freeze my eggs because here's the problem. I was 30. Even though I come from a very fertile family, I was still worried about fertility. And I got pregnant six months after we got married. That was too soon because he and I did not have that time as a freshly married couple, right? Um, yes. To do the things that brand new married couples should do. Yes, we had a honeymoon, clearly. <laughs> and, you know, we um, we got to do some things, some fun things. We got to kind of travel and, and whatnot. But I would have loved to have an additional couple of years to really just focus on he and I and have that fun time without kids because kids do change everything. So had I frozen my eggs, granted it is an investment, but that would have given me that precious time and I wouldn't have felt like we rushed into parenthood. Although I was a nanny for many years, I thought, oh, parenthood's going to be a breeze. I had a lot of trouble with my first child, you know, with the bonding and breastfeeding and all of that. I mean, you know, Holly, you know, you, you've seen Holly's journey with, with her breastfeeding too. And it's, it's difficult. Um, and that really put a strain on our marriage. And so I feel like if I had given myself a little more time and I wasn't in such a rush to get knocked up, um, that I think our, we would have been a little bit more, you know, happier maybe of where we, we are. Um, not that we regret anything. We love our two children, but I do wish we had that time. So if I could go back, I would say, freeze your eggs. Don't be in such a rush, you know, to have babies. There's plenty of time. I had Zaxon, my son, when I was 37, absolutely no problems whatsoever. Healthy pregnancy. Both of my pregnancies were very healthy. Did not have any issues conceiving literally whatsoever. So, you know, having known that, 
hindsight is 2020, but that is definitely what I would tell myself to just not be in such a rush to have kids. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I'm going to share something with you. Holly and I, we found out she was pregnant on our honeymoon. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. Yeah, so um, oh, I, I think I, I think we did like maybe five days on Oahu, five days in Maui, and we found out like the eighth day in Maui. Wow. And I was like, oh, all right, first come love, then comes marriage, <laughs> then comes baby in a baby carriage. Uh, so we came back and we shared that news with my with my parents and my stepdad. He was like, well, you guys wasted no time. Right. I was like, yeah, we were on onward on to the next thing from that. Exactly. So, you know, and it's not that we have regrets. Right. But it's like would have been nice to have that time. So now Aaron and I are kind of a little bit more looking forward to like empty nest <laughs> period, because then we get to have just each other, you know, and explore the world together and, and do the things that we want to do. And we would have been able to do that a little bit more, you know, had we waited, but I was in such a rush to get those kids here in regards to the bonus information. Um, all I would say is that and I think I did touch on it, but I didn't go too much into it because the book is not about this. But I would say the best thing, and Aaron says this, literally, you can ask him. He said the best thing we ever did for our marriage was to sleep train our kids. So, you know, I I do believe that if you are sleep training your kids, you're going to have that extra time every single night to bond with your partner, to binge watch Netflix, to go on date nights, to cook together. Whatever it is, you know, that you guys want to do together, you're going to have that opportunity if your kids are asleep um, before you are. If you're, going to, if you're going to sleep at the same time as your kids are, you really are doing yourself a disservice because you don't get to have that quality time before, right? I mean, sure, you'll be able to snuggle in bed together, whatever. But I'm talking about before that, you know, to wind down from your day together. And it's just, it's such precious time. And I know that has a lot to do with our bond and how strong it makes our marriage. And Aaron will tell you that is literally the best thing I ever did for our for our uh, marriage. Yeah, that's a great tip because there is a lot of people, whether it is sleep training their children, investing more time in your relationship or your fitness or just whatever lofty goal that you have, there's always the excuse of, I don't have enough time. Right. I, I have too many things to do. But you know what? Here's another practical thing that you can take away from listening to this episode is that you need to identify your highest value goals. What is the most important thing to you? Write it all down and then cut out everything that is not that. And that is how you move in a direction where your highest values are going to be touched every single day and thought about you know it's the the distractions it's the the extra episode of netflix or another series or mindlessly scrolling social media that really takes away from all of these higher value goals yeah and i'll add to that i'm reading a book um, called atomic habits and i mean it's so well known right it's like the number two bestseller right now um, but I, my eyes have been so opened to not only focusing on goals, but focusing on daily habits, things that you do daily that are going to make your life so much better in the long run. You know, just that, that walk that you start taking in the morning, right? Like my clothes are fitting better because I'm just walking my dog a little bit further than I usually do. You know, it's like, it's these little tiny things 
that add up to big things. So if you can do tiny, tiny new habits with your spouse or with your significant other, your, um, in your relationship, it will, it will grow exponentially. It will, it will actually add so much to your relationship. These little tiny things, maybe having date night, you know, once a week or, um, you know, taking a trip together every couple months or, you know, once a year doing a, a solo couples trip or something like that. These things that you can add into your life are going to make it that much better and your, your relationship that much stronger. Um, they don't have to be big. They can be little tiny things. Yeah, there's um, one of the main reasons why I started a podcast is to talk about all of the little things that add up to our lives. And if there's a lot of anger and frustration and a lot of superfluous in your life that's taken away from these higher goals, then you need to take inventory and, you know, look at yourself in the mirror a little bit more and say, hey, do I like everything that I have, like what, what's going on? You need to be able to sort yourself out and then port, point yourself in a direction that you want to go. And you had mentioned the book Atomic Habits. I did a, a podcast episode that talks about that book. And last year, I, I think I read uh, like 24 or 25 books and I listened to like 115 audio books. So primarily what my podcast, my podcast is about is accumulating and gathering strength in all of these things because I want you to have that buff body, mind, spirit, and bank, and having a re a good relationship with your significant other is going to drastically affect all of those things, and that is why you know I wanted to have you on the podcast is to enlighten us on you know the positive characteristics and 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 traits of a healthy relationship thank you yeah i 100% agree and i think reading books i mean audiobooks reading actual books you know i agree with you that that can really um enhance your life and i've taken so much from the books that i've you know, taking the time to, uh, to read, you know, having an audible subscription is like, it's, it's life-changing, honestly. I mean, some of the books I've read have just like opened my mind to so many things and has definitely changed my life. So I am on board with that completely. Um, to get back to your question about what I'm working on currently. So I'm very excited because I'm going through a, almost like a new marketing for my sleep coaching. What I was offering in the beginning was a seven day program, very affordable, very effective. Um, you get me as a personal coach. I'm messaging with you, you know, throughout the day, um, you know, heavy around nap time, obviously bedtime, walking you through virtually holding your hand, which a lot of coaches don't do that. A lot of coaches you're going to find are going to send uh, generic emails and things like that to check in. Not me. You're going to have my personal cell you are 100% going to have my attention, my full attention. And if you're having a problem, we're working it through together. You will never feel alone or, you know, abandoned in any way. Um, so I now am offering daily sleep coaching for those parents who maybe aren't ready to jump into a full seven-day program, but maybe just need help on a daily basis, just maybe one day, maybe two days, something like that. There's no minimum. Um, but I can, you know, walk you through what you're currently going through without that big commitment of a seven day program. So nice. I just started doing this because I felt like the seven day program was a little bit 
you know, too much for a few families. And maybe you just need a couple hours, you know, here and there just to kind of help you through a difficult nap time, or maybe your child is teething or something like that. And you just don't really know what to do. So you have my, uh, I'd say expert. I mean, I'm certified, you know, my expert advice to really guide you. And honestly, I call myself a sleep guide now because I'm not really coaching you. I'm more so guiding you through the process, which is exactly what you need. It's one of the most difficult things as that you'll do as a parent. So you do need help and uh, don't try this alone, you know, get someone who knows and is over 20 years of experience um, doing this. So happy to help. I offer free consultations. Just go to either getting cozy with Aaron on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, Aaron House Hill, or you can find me on Instagram. My new sleep coaching sleep guide um, handle is getting sleep with Aaron. <laughs> so <Very> stay, nice. <laughs> staying in that branding there um, when I can. But yeah, so getting sleep with Aaron, you're going to see ads coming out, things that um, you know will hopefully uh, speak to you if you're kind of in that time of need right now. And if you know anyone who is, please, please, please refer them to me. I will take good care of them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I will make sure to put all of the links that you just mentioned to your Instagrams, uh, handles, uh, links to your book, and as well as anything else that you want to provide me. And I would implore on the listeners, if you want to want to up your game and learn a little bit something about yourself and apply it to your relationship go out and get this book once again the title is called getting cozy in public and nine <laughs> other ways to keep your relationship hot thank you so much aaron hill um i i wish you all of the the best of luck and everything that you do and i look forward to uh following your your journey thank you so much ruben i had a blast and i love what you're doing keep it up thank you so much talk to you soon okay bye bye All right, that'll do it. Thank you so much for listening. If you made it to the end of the podcast, right on. Don't forget to follow Erin on Instagram. She has two accounts, at Getting Cozy with Erin and at Getting Sleep with Erin. I'll make sure to leave a link to her profiles and also a Amazon link to her book. Hey, and while you're at it, go ahead and give me a follow, a like, and subscribe. You can find me on Instagram at Ruben underscore Cuevas. Don't forget to like this podcast on whatever app you're listening to and until next time boys and girls it is onward always onward